0: and welcome back to the Evolving Media podcast. A podcast where we talk to some brilliant people about the changes in the media industry from the point of view of the storytellers, creators and producers in the industry. You can help this podcast immensely by subscribing to it, rating it on whatever platform you're listening to it on and sharing it on your favorite social media platforms. It'll help us make more of these episodes. So if you have the time, please consider helping out. Today, I'm joined by Caitlin Burns. She's a producer, strategist and business consultant, but most of all she's one of the most skilled people I know when it comes to seeing a project through from start to finish, and especially projects that have something to do with immersive media, VR, transmedia, 360 production, and so on. She's worked on way too many things for me to have the time to mention here, but her links are in the description of this podcast so you can look her up there. What we'll talk about in this two-part talk is the nitty-gritty of actual planning, developing and creating stuff in this new media world we are in. What do we need to know and remember? What decisions are crucial? What can help us not go wrong in the end? All this and more in today's episode of the Evolving Media Podcast. Let's dive in. Caitlin, thanks a lot for taking the time to be on this podcast. So happy to have you here.
1: Well, I always enjoy our conversations. And, you know, I we, we haven't wor- uh, had a chance to catch up in a number of months, uh, since we were both working together. So it's it's a really wonderful um, excuse to talk about some stuff I know we're both interested
0: in. <laughs> and one of the things I'm, I'm really interested to talk to you about, and that we, that we discussed a little bit before is that you have such a wealth of knowledge regarding how to construct and how to plan and how to execute a lot of stuff that has to do with where media is evolving, you know, uh, transmedia, produce multi-platform, immersive media, VR, three sixty, etc., etc. So that's what I thought we would be getting down to today. Uh, like for someone starting out, or for someone who is mm-hmm. uh, perhaps a consummate professional, but is mm-hmm. not, but not in these areas, like um, w- d- the practical stuff of how to get this right. And mm-hmm. and I'm I'm fully aware. Uh, From my own practice as well, that there are as many solutions as there are projects.
1: No, I think that that when we're talking about sort of getting into the practice of making work, um, you know, making creative work, especially once we are talking about really complex creative work and that sort of that big umbrella that we have to spend a lot of adjectives parsing out you know transmedia franchises multi-platform that's a very complex place to start your thinking mm. and and I, I think you're exactly right There, there's no one right answer for all of it There are definitely some some ways that you can build your process uh, and your process with your partners and your collaborators to help get you to the least worst answer you have for now, Mm. which often is what these sort of conversations feel like, um, especially when you have a really big and ambitious idea in your mind. Um, But sort of how do you get into the practice where you're finding your way step by step through these really big processes, yeah. Um, and and every one of them is going to be different because each each story, each goal is going to have a different start point. and the people approaching it, you know, whether they're an individual bringing everything that's come before to the table now, or a different combination uh, of people working on something that's going to be magically creative together. Yeah, I mean, it, being able to figure out how you start how you structure and how you make decisions together is the really hard work that comes with making a production come to life
0: but those are the really crucial things if you get those right then Mm -hmm. uh, you have such an easier time to get all of the other pieces to fall into place right
1: right and the more time you spend or or the the Better structured the the decision making practice you build with your partners are early in the process. The more efficient and clear you'll be as you're going through the much more complex processes of active production, post production, distribution, um, complex interconnecting narrative story worlds, that sort of thing. Um, because when you're starting out, you're gonna you're gonna be in a place where you have all of these potential ideas of what you can do and you're already feeling the weight of decision fatigue you know for for People who have, have been serial producer entrepreneurs, you know, that, that sort of, it feels like an old injury, like for athletes, you know, they know that that knee is there, they feel their own past decision, decision fatigue moments. And, and I think that there's very little conversation or sort of attention given to just how many decisions a person has to make when they're building and driving a new story world, purely Mm -hmm. creatively. And when that comes to sort of rubber meets the road of we're going to make this thing. And if it's a commercial work, we're also going to do the business of making this thing. You know, you're you're compounding all of those critical decisions. I think one of the most surprising things for me in my, my professional life, you know, if you asked 18 year old Caitlin, what she would be doing today, 18-year-old Caitlin did not know that there would be as much business involved or as much business theory involved in making creative work as today Caitlin does. In, In practice, you don't want to throw out any expertise or any sort of models That would help you do your work. And you can call them whatever you like. I've learned a lot by reading about business strategies and business structure Hmm. and applying them to creative productions. But I think, you know, at least in, in my educational experience, there was a disservice done to art students by not preparing them for the business structures they were going to come up against. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, everyone's going to have to see a contract at some point in their life. And that's a really teachable skill. But also, how do you manage other people? How do you formalize a relationship between collaborators? Um, And uh, in a lot of the teaching I do now... Um, I do spend time, especially on things like founders agreements, um, parameters for how you want to execute projects, and how to put that in writing so that the confusion that could come up later, or if someone decides that they, they don't want to be part of the project anymore for whatever reason, so that there's a framework to make that decision. When people are more harried, there are more decisions going on, and emotions can be much higher.
0: But what do you do when you have people who say, that uh, and I know a lot of people and I would probably yeah. some time ago I would have included myself in that category mm-hmm. who say that they that that's not me you know I'm not the kind of person <laughs> who uh, excels in uh, in deals and and you know knows how to how to mm-hmm. identify problems in a contract or I don't manage people or that, that's not me it's not what I do sure. what
1: do you- well I mean, it's sort of um you're doing these things all the time, even if you're not doing them formally. Mm -hmm. So there's sort of two parts of this. One is the intimidation of a subject that you don't No, you know. So, you know, when we're talking about business best practice um, or, you know, production methodologies and paperwork, um, if you haven't done them before, you don't know them before. You also haven't necessarily made an animated feature film or a virtual reality project or an immersive theatrical piece, but that's not stopping you. Um, The idea that you haven't made a five platform creative experiential world, um, that's, not something you've done before either but you feel like that is you but there are a lot of steps in that a lot of structures that um you know may not be your favorite thing but will really really help and they'll really, really make it clearer. But you need someone with you or on your team or as an advisor to help you through that process. You know, I had the good, uh, good fortune of having friends who were lawyers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I would talk about this stuff, and they would tell me where I was being silly. But at the same time, you know, it's once I got the framework for that, I, I and I'd done this, you know, a dozen times with people, I had a better understanding of sort of what the consequence of, of, ignoring that work could be. And when we're talking about deals, um, and I think a lot of people's minds immediately go to negotiation and the sort of big, <laughs> yeah, yes. um, you know, 80s giant microwave sized car phone agent negotiations in a LA convertible style of yes, deals. Please. Oh, yeah. The deal making that's as simple as how are you going to distribute responsibility and ownership of this idea with your partner or your collaborators. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like two or three people who you already are in it with. How do you make sure you're taking care of each other? Um, And what, if you're starting a business together, like if you want to make a project, that's going to go for, you know, five, 10 years or a production company, that's going to do the same. You're getting into a really intimate relationship. um, And one where there's a lot of necessary collaboration and, you want to have a sort of clarity. Uh, a founders agreement is like um, having all of the fights that you would have with your creative partners before you would ever have them.
0: Which is so, a very good time to have them, you know, yeah, way before it's really, way, really way good. before you're not you're not friends anymore.
1: Exactly. And and being able to sort of clarify at the the earliest point what are the most important things for you all. And especially if you haven't worked together before, what are the, the like, it helps you map out what are the difficult spots, you know, for for one person, it's going to be, I hate developing this sort of legal or businessy paperwork. It's not something I like. Um, I, you know, you've got to engage with one another in a in a way that makes sense. So it may be talking it through, it might be going back and forth in a written format. But, you know, when you're working through those questions together, and it doesn't mean it's an 8,000 page document, it could be a fairly straightforward form where you're just going through like, OK, what if us one of us gets hit by a bus yeah. or what would we do if someone came in with a dump truck full of money and wanted to buy the license from us? How would we make that decision? Um, or if I'm putting in 80 hours and a huge proportion of the initial funding, um, what am I entitled to based on that? And the answer might be the same amount as everybody else. Mm -hmm. But you have to have that conversation at some point and you would much rather have it before everything is much more real. Um, And it also will will help you figure out where you are totally in line with each other the same way you'd want to do the work of writing down the core themes and and aspirational points and character personality traits in your story, you want to be able to have a map for how you would run a business together. Um, And that's not something that necessarily people think or have time for. In their earliest days of doing this, but the longer you hold it off, the more those things that you don't know yet will come to the surface. Um, and the harder it will be to navigate them on the fly when you have to make a 1000 decisions per day. And each one of you is making a different thousand decisions and not having the time to sit down and really focus on what the actual relationship between your partners and yourself is.
0: Well, let's say that you are now on a sound footing as a um, creator or as a producer. You've done mm-hmm. your, you, you've. Talk to your partners, you're pretty much on the same page. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there obviously there's always some wrinkles to iron out, but but say of you're course. on say, say you're very much on the same page at, uh, mm-hmm. a, and you know what you wanna do. Now, if you wanna go into a, a immersive media was someone called it, or multiplatform or transmedia project. Mm-hmm. What are, the f- what are the first crucial decisions you need to get right when you move into those areas as opposed to, you know, quotation marks, just making a movie or just <laughs> right. writing a book? <laughs>
1: <laughs> sure, sure. And I think that right now, you know, without setting off a new semantic battlefield, mm-hmm. I want to make some like I, the, the real question that you're going to you're going to ask yourself is what are you making first?
0: hmm. Yeah.
1: What is the first step on this where you can focus and get something out into the world? I often see people really fall apart because they try to start with too much. Yeah. Um, in as much as there are some people out there who are very, very talented at multitasking or sort of keeping all of these parts in their creative brain all at once, um, audiences are only going to experience one thing at a time. You know, they're only going to spend the time watching this or reading that or um, playing with that or going to that. And it's worth the effort to figure out what is a good pilot start point, whether you're talking about a game or you're talking about a TV, web, interactive Franchise, whatever. Um, being able to determine what within the resources you have available is going to be the best start point. And even if you're seeking grants or funding, you have to start somewhere. So figure out what is going to be the seed that you can grow from, and figure and and use that to sort of get out the initial kinks, to learn what's working with your audience and and uh, what you know, what you didn't know yet. Um, a group that I, I worked with in New Zealand called uh, The Green, uh, did a piece called The Green Fairy. It's mm-hmm. a children's VR AR property. And they started by doing uh, a short demo. You know, they, they had the animation shop, so they made a first story for this charming fairy. Uh, and they were able to partner with a mall to, to make little uh, toadstool mushroom viewing areas that kids huh. could go to in the mall. Um, and that ended up working very successfully. And they, they've been able to turn that into more VR episodes, AR content with picture books, and now also a TV show with TVNZ. Um, Mm -hmm. So being able to sort of pick where you can focus on a place where you know the strengths of the property, you know the strengths of your team, and you can showcase it to give you that sort of initial viable product. Uh, and also the, the sort of experience where you can see, is this really going to hit with my audience or not? Both for yourself and for potential partners, investors, collaborators going forward. This is also a point where there is a huge difference between making an immersive experience like a VR, AR, um, you know, very complex collaborative experience and making something that is a little bit more passively interactive.
0: Mm -hmm, Um,
1: you know, a lot of the traditional formats, we've spent more than a decade making them more accessible and easier to produce, you know, web video is going to be much easier to get to a lot of people very quickly Compared to building a whole virtual reality environment or a physical installation. And you you can't treat them the same way. It'll be determined by what resources you have, what your creative talents are. But you want to take bites and recognize that some some of those bites are by design much bigger than others if Mm -hmm. you're starting out. Yeah.
0: And I guess it also depends, I mean, it depends on what skills you have available to you. It depends a bit, of course, on what platforms you could feasibly uh, construct your project for. But mm-hmm. it should also uh, have a lot to do with who you target as your audience and what yep. do, where do they exist and how do they interact with, <coughs> with whatever platform you're targeting.
1: This is another really um, difficult area for a lot of the, the producers and entrepreneurs I encounter. For, for things like feature film or, or television, uh, if you're working with a studio or a network, their audience research skills are going to be phenomenal. They'll be able to tell you in exquisite detail what this cohort of audience members is doing right now. You know, Mm -hmm, are the eight to 14 year old girls on TikTok or Snapchat? Uh, How much time are they spending per day tuning into this channel versus its three competitors? Um, And, and, when you've worked with those studios, it's easy to sort of see why they're able to maintain a relationship with their audiences because they're really able to collect and understand information about who their audience is in a way that's so specific and so delightfully nerdy. You need to find someone with that level of nerd about your audience to help you understand your audience, but you need to dive in and see what does, what is going on in the competitive market. And you can't just look at the the format that you are pursuing because it's not as simple as film being up against film game, being up against game, yeah. uh, you know, social media up against social media at this point. It's how are you going to compete with everything else in their lives to get that attention? And how difficult is it for them to change their behavior to do what you want them to, to spend time with you and your story world versus the ease of doing the thing they're doing already? And you need to be brutally honest with yourself about how many steps you're asking someone to take between you and your invitation to 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 the content and that that's a big part of um the sort of human centered design process you have to think about as a business or as a producer and not just as a creator or storyteller
0: and what it sounds to like me and what i think i've noticed as well is that either you uh, what this takes is a multi-headed skill set or at least a multi-headed curiosity into different skills and an eagerness mm-hmm. to actually learn stuff, or some very, very good collaboration efforts with people who have those necessary sets, just to be able to get all of these things to work yeah. together and, and support each other in the best possible way.
1: Absolutely. I truly believe that, you know, the, the past decade or so, all of the new technologies, all the new innovations have been very much about making it easier for an individual to create work and to distribute it and have it seen. Even though that's kind of kind of giving lie to the reality that to make anything really beautiful or ambitious, you're not really doing it alone. Mm. Um, but now the challenges and the pr- and the sort of, problems that we have that we need to solve, I don't think any of them can truly be solved alone. Um, If we're looking at the new technologies, things like virtual reality, augmented reality, um, there's, there's a lot of sort of mystique and idea that this will be something that will be easier to make than it ever has been before. But easier than it ever has been before is still much, much harder to do well than to make a web video, you know, it's, you can make a 360 video on your own, you can learn to do all the VFX compositing, all of the workflow uh, for the editing, and put it out onto a Facebook or YouTube. But If you really want to push the medium, you're talking about engaging someone who's able to help understand the animation, someone who's able to do the software programming or work within a game engine, um, you know, someone who's coming in with narrative experience. And then on top of that, you know, to get it seen, someone with business acumen, someone who has an understanding of what's going on in the industry. and. And as much as I'm curious about a lot of these things, I'm not so foolish to imagine that I could do this without a team. You know, I, I've got ex- I've got experience in a very broad spectrum of production modalities, but if I if I'm going to do this, I know I need to bring in people who are more expert than I am in the specialties. You know, you need to be able to build a team that's going to be able to enhance what you want to do, but also free you up to do what you can do best. If you're trying to do it all yourself, all on your own, you're going to get not the best of any one of those aspects when you're working with a bigger group, um, your bandwidth opens up, you know, you you can think more about the creative work, you can have someone whose interest aligns with the financial administration and and fundraising focus on that, you still want to be collaborating, and and speaking, but it really is much better when you're able to to collaborate with a team to bring out a result that you couldn't get on your own.
0: There is so much to unpack in this how to practically think about and construct and do this that for the first time in the history short and brief history of this podcast we agreed to do this as a two-part series so this is where we sign (laughs) off on this cliffhanger before we get into you know so how do you do it and i welcome you back uh, in the future episode where we come back to this
1: Fantastic. I'm looking forward and I'm looking forward to to hearing all of you in part two yes. of our epic, epic production <laughs> podcast.
0: Wonderful. <laughs> Caitlin, thanks so much and have a great day in New York.
1: Thank you. You too.